Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today's date is October 5th, 2022. This is Riel reporting here at Generation Z. We are unleashing the Kraken, and this is episode 246, if I'm not mistaken. We have quite a bit to get into, so without further ado, let's uh, bring up our presentation for today. So today we are auditing the narrative of Russia-Ukraine, the Nord Stream Pipeline, uh, CV-19 and Fauci, uh, Italy, climate change, and espionage. The breakdown today is a look at the continuous shift of world orders with many classic culprits seemingly getting caught up in their corruption. Uh, we are, as I said, auditing the narrative of the mainstream news, keeping tabs on what they are trying to tell us, but providing context and discernment with the layers that these stories provide. The breakdown today is we're looking at a, a three outer space articles, about 20 articles uh, relating to the elite administration troubles, ranging from governments to military. We are looking at a few climate change articles. Then there's a specific segment on Biden because that's there's a lot to get into with uh, things that he's been saying. Uh, then we've got then we're rounding out the report with some espionage stories and the final uh, the, the tail end of today will be fo uh, focusing on the CV pandemic and stick around to the end because that's pretty monumental with what we're going to be seeing in. Uh, those developments. So the first thing we're looking at here today is from the Jerusalem Post. Judgment Day. Four asteroids to fly past Earth on Yom Kippur, says NASA. Yom Kippur is traditionally when, according to Jewish belief, God signs our fates in the Book of Life, judging our actions and deciding who lives and who dies. Also, asteroids are flying past Earth. So the timing of this is pretty interesting. Uh, I can't help but think about the compounding narrative of threats from outer space. Um, this article says there are four asteroids that are set to pass Earth. Um, but then when we scroll down, uh, we see uh, that Yom Kippur is traditionally when, according to Jewish belief, God signs our fates in the Book of Life. And the article says that God's intervention could certainly be needed for these asteroids to actually cause such divine apocalyptic catastrophes, because as it stands now, based on NASA's calculations, these asteroids are nothing to worry about. As it says, NASA has calculated that the Earth is safe from any catastrophic asteroid impacts for the next century. But we definitely have to remain uh, diligent about the narrative of asteroids impacting Earth, and of course the outer space threat from quote-unquote extraterrestrials. But as the end, also as this article says, at the time of writing, the cloud of dust around the asteroid following the impact, and that's relating to the uh, double asteroid redirection test that we mentioned on last Kraken with Dave, the NASA sending out um, a redirection test mission called DART to hit an asteroid to redirect it. But as we see here, uh, the there is still too much of a cloud of dust around that asteroid to see if it was successful. So anyway, let's just uh, keep our tabs on the ongoing narrative of asteroids and such. Speaking of space, as we continue this journey, new year, new boss, Pentagon Satellite Agency joins Space Force. With the start of federal government's new fiscal year and as required by law, the Space Development Agency formally transitioned into the U.S. Space Force on October 1st. The SDA, the Space Development Agency, was created in 2019 to create development of a new kind of satellite architecture that relies less on large satellites based in high orbits and more on small, proliferated spacecraft residing in low Earth orbit, about 22,000 miles above the planet's surface. So this is interesting that now it is formally joining uh, the uh, Space Force. And the timing of this is interesting because we see here that Space Force has just confirmed a new chief. 
President Joe Biden's pick to lead Space Force was confirmed last week by the U.S. Senate, giving the service its second-ever chief. Lieutenant General B. Chance Saltzman was selected in August to replace outgoing Chief of Space Operations General John J. Raymond. He was confirmed by voice vote late Thursday and will receive his fourth star. So the time uh, I also find this one interesting because the obvious secret space program that uh, we talk about so often on the show, uh, what role does Space Force have in it? Uh, what is, yeah, we're, we're just keeping tabs on that one. Next up, we're going to some controversy about the Nord Stream pipeline. Columbia professor Jeffrey Sox yanked off air after accusing U.S. of sabotaging Nord Stream pipeline. Now, this was very int intriguing because we had somebody that was is very mainstream in the modern academia. And if you look at this uh, tweet ma made by Wall Street Silver, the account, um, uh, and if you listen to it, you say that he, he says, quote, most of the world doesn't see it the way we describe it. Most of the world is just terrified right now. But he also says they view this as a horrible clash between Russia and U.S., they don't see this, as we do in the media, as an unprovoked attack by Russia on Ukraine. I bet the explosion was a U.S. action, perhaps U.S. and Poland, said Professor Sox. But the Bloomberg host Tom Keen quickly interjected, asking Sox to produce evidence for his claims. And of course, he continues to provide the evidence, mentioning the uh, direct radar evidence of U.S. military helicopters that are normally based in Gdansk were circling over that area. We have the threat from President Biden uh, earlier this year saying, one way or another, we are going to end Nord Stream. And then we had the remarkable statement from Secretary of State Blinken last Friday in a press conference where he said that this is also a tremendous opportunity. So very fascinating with that uh, development. And to just move on to this isn't mainstream news, but this is a blog to substantiate the idea that there was that we should continue to be very critical and ask the questions uh, in regards to the narrative that they're trying to push. Uh, this website is from Monkey We Are Exus, talking about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And we're going to uh, include this in the details, the description of this video, because we get a very good breakdown of the facts about the sabotage. And we're just going to quickly go through them so that our audience is aware of the full context of this situation. First up, Biden said we're going to do it. And then it happened overnight on September 26th. Then we have a U.S. Navy P-8 fly from the U.S. to a refueling rendezvous point over Poland. Then the two aircraft sync up for an extended 120-minute refueling, disconnecting shortly after. Then we have uh, the BART-12 refueler um, going to Speng, Speng Dalem Air Force Base, and one should note the flight record has been wiped. Then the Navy P-8 then continues over the Nord Stream pipeline location and descends to an altitude of less than 10,000 feet. Then the Navy P-8 exits the area just prior to 700 hours. Then at 7.09 hours, the Navy P-8 returns back to the U.S. And this Navy P-8 hex code is not listed in the aircraft database. Furthermore, the aircraft flew as masked, meaning it did not want to be tracked. Data point, uh, they, there were recorded a 2.3 magnitude shakes in the area at the same time. The following morning, NATO forces announced that overnight the Nord Stream 2 pipeline has been sabotaged. A Poland ministry official posts a tweet thanking the U.S. for taking out the pipeline. Uh, okay, well, that one should be pretty obvious as to suspicion. And then on September 29th, in front of the UN Security Council, a Russian Federation spokesperson presents the known facts and asks the US representative directly in a yes or no requested response, did the United States take out the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, in which the US representative did not confirm nor deny and didn't answer the question, but instead took an offensive posture. So again, uh, we will leave this article uh, down below in the description for you so that you can check this out yourself. But on to the next one. Here we have from CBC News, September 30th. Climate change is a public health emergency, is the headline. We need to recognize what is becoming rapidly apparent. Our health is wrapped up on the health of the planet. We're not going to read this. We're just letting you know that the narrative is official. They are. Uh, we saw that there were many times where the news would 
link climate change to uh, cancer, to myocarditis, to health concerns that uh, could have also been linked to certain medical experiments. But no, 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 that's not the case. It is linked to climate change. And so this could be the very, uh, this could be the opening for uh, the intention of creating lockdowns based on climate change. Next up from CBC, uh, just an opinion piece on September 29th. Headline reads, who wants to build a doomsday bunker? Nervous billionaires, says author. They feel utterly helpless to avoid the inevitable event. Well, I am going to disagree that they feel helpless to it, but I will agree that they are building doomsday bunkers, and they have been building them for quite some time. Uh, Dave has done so much work into looking into the subterranean underground network, which is actually underneath the dumbs, which are the deep underground military bases. Uh, I have even brought up on previous Krakens about the, uh, or even maybe Dose of Reality episodes about the continuity of government, about the actual evidence of elites building bunkers underground. Uh, and then I am also a proponent of hollow earth uh, theory, that there are massive caves inside the earth, as well as massive lakes and ecosystems. So not surprising at all. And then if we look at the research of Archaics, who I've recently uh, started listening to very often and really like his work, um, the idea that, yeah, the elites every so often, they they go underground because there is a, a looming disaster and then they reemerge and repopulate and bring up the technology and kind of uh, reinvigorate society. Next up, we have... Antarctic research stations rife with sexism and harassment, probe finds. This report is focused on Australian-run bases, but scientists say the problem is far bigger. So this article uh, talks about women that are stationed in, in the Antarctic research bases that face a lot of not just discomfort, but it's a uh, situation of sexual harassment, stalking, and sexual assault. Very disturbing. Uh, and then we also see here that they say at one male-dominated scientific station, she says there was an uncomfortable amount of pinup girls and porn in the guys' dorms. Fortunately, not surprised about this at all. Um, just, yeah, this is uh, a, just an interesting context into the entire situation of the sexual harassment that women are facing in not just militaries, but government institutions, uh, institutions all across the board. Um, and then, of course, we have the fascination with Antarctica and what's going on there and what the research stations are talking about. But this one is focusing more on the uh, other side of these research stations. Next up, we have from Canada, uh, Jeremy McKenzie, leader of the controversial Diagalon movement. He was arrested on Canada-wide warrant. He was arrested in Nova Scotia on charges laid in July by Saskatchewan RCMP. So he is the angry dissident, I believe. So he does, he has a Telegram channel um, that I have come across, I, I've looked into. There was some interesting perspectives. He's very critical of the government and all that. But the, the, the real issue here that, that occurred was that he made a comment about sexually assaulting a uh, member of parliament's wife which is just unacceptable. And here he has, he's facing the, the ramifications. So in a, in a, in a situation, when you're in a situation, in a position of power like this with authority, you have to be so careful with what you say. If he's, even if he's going to say it's a joke, you know, a lot of people are not going to find that funny. I personally don't like joking about that kind of stuff. I prefer just like pro peace, uh, nonviolence. Uh, obviously consent is a, is a, legitimate thing that we need to emphasize on as a culture, especially as men in the society. Uh, and at the same time, this is an individual that the government uh, and the RCMP probably really want to have an opportunity to take him down because of his platform. So, you know, yeah, just uh, it's, it's terrible what he said. And let's see uh, what comes from this situation. Now, we're moving on to more of the world news here. Uh, and 
like we've got about 40 articles to cover uh, about yeah, like like 10% of the way through. This is probably going to be about an hour long episode. A little less than that, but hopefully you enjoy it. So we're continuing on this journey. We go to Al Jazeera. Climate change gets the highest priority in the U.S.-Pacific agreement. New partnership deal signed by 14 nations follows historic summit at the White House and comes as China extends influence in the region. The United States and Pacific Island nations has signed up to a new era of cooperation, making climate change the highest priority and promising to work together to ensure a peaceful region where democracy is allowed to flourish. The Declaration on U.S.-Pacific Partnership, signed by 14 Pacific Island nations, came at the end of an unprecedented two-day summit in Washington, D.C., which took place five months after a security deal between the Solomon Islands and China raised concern about Beijing's growing influence in the region. So not only is this uh, pushing the climate change narrative that's uh, aggressively being touted by the United Nations and the World Economic Forum and all of their partners, but this also adds a lot of tension to uh, the whole geopolitical uh, tension, the entire situation between Canada, Ty uh, between China, Taiwan, the United States, and that entire region. So as we see here, the U.S. is courting the Pacific Island nations as Beijing becomes increasingly active in the region. Right. Um, now, this is fascinating here. The declaration also addressed U.S. atomic testing in Marshall Islands from 1946 to 1958, saying Washington would deal with the islanders' environmental and public health concerns. Yeah, because we know that they're really going to take that seriously and... Yeah, at least they acknowledged it, I suppose. But who knows what that actually means. And it's just like when you post sanctions on somebody or you issue threats and warnings, it seems like it's a bunch of hullabaloo. Uh, on to the next thing. Now, this now this is going to be very, very interesting. From Yahoo News. In the Brazil election, opinion polls are the biggest loser. So, haha. <laughs> The article says, following a trend in recent years of underestimating voter support for Brexit and Donald Trump, opinion polls in Brazil were way off the mark for Sunday's first round of presidential elections. Incumbent Jair Bolsonaro and many of his far-right allies mustered results much better than the pollsters had predicted, catching analysts off guard and shocking supporters of his leftist rival, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Latin America analyst Michael Shifter of the Inter-American Dialogue Think Tank told AFP, quote, the biggest loser of Sunday's elections are all of the polls. So the context of this situation is basically Bolsonaro is allegedly the Trump of South America. He is against the globalists. He is being, um, he's being uh, categorized as a far-right uh, politician that is calling out the globalist infrastructure. Uh, he was against the COVID mandates. He was against all of those lockdowns. And the polls tried to influence the citizens to say that, oh, he's not going to win, vote for the other guy. Just like we've saw, we've seen in so many other polls, because just like the fact checkers, these polls are all paid off and are meant to slant bias to get the people to think a certain way and basically make you give up hope when your hope is counter to the narrative. And fascinating to hear as well as considering the BRICS alliance, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, because uh, another thing to consider is that Brazil just had their own UAP conference. So to me, this means that perhaps Bolsonaro and Brazil will be the country or one of the main countries to actually push for the UFO disclosure um, in the good way. So we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, next up, okay, so here we're going to RT News, and I understand this is going to probably going to get some flack for referencing RT and using their articles, but honestly, as Elon Musk says in this article, RT has some good points. So the Tesla CEO has opposed censoring Russian media. Uh, I agree with that. I think that we should have all of the information uh, available, all of the media outlets available, and then let the citizens discern what seems accurate and what resonates with you. 
If you are censoring somebody's perspective, to me, that means that you don't want other opinions to be heard and you want people to think very one-dimensionally and basically just agree with you. And censorship, of course, is a serious situation. And we'll see. Not, I'm not saying that I trust Elon Musk, but I'm just using this as a segue to justify why I am going to be using RT news articles for today's report and why I have been and will continue to refer to RT as sources of alternative perspective because yes it is propaganda from the russian government but cbc is propaganda from the canadian government cnn nbc abc are all propaganda of the big tech uh military industrial complex colluding with the u.s government as and other western powers as well as the pharmaceutical industry the big pharma has like owns the media in america and in the west so we have to get our balance of propaganda to fully understand the picture. Next up, we have the Italian election winner state's top priority. Georgia Maloney vows to fight soaring energy prices while putting her country's interests first. And of course, all of the news in the Western world labels her a far-right extremist. Um, and as have even gone so far as to censor some of the speeches that she has made. And it's like, well, why are you censoring her speech while at the same time calling her such uh, such a violent label? Is it because you just don't want people to listen to what she's actually saying so that we are only allowed to hear what the narrative is about a certain person? And on that note, that's why I read the transcript from uh, Putin's speech at the Far East, uh, that was at the Eastern Economic Forum and where he comments on what the Western powers are doing, because I want to read for myself what Putin says, what the leader of Italy says, what the leader of the UK says. I don't want to rely on mainstream news outlets to tell me what to think. I want to think for myself. Thank you very much. And on that note, um, yeah, it is very interesting because she does have a history of uh, let's let's just read this here. Western media has compared Maloney to Italy's world era to air, uh, fascist leader Benito Mussolini and highlighted that one of FDL's predecessors was a party with ties to Mussolini's government. Maloney, however, called such comparisons nonsense. Her quote, the Italian right has handed fascism over to history for decades now, un unambiguously condemning the suppression of democracy and the ignominious anti-Jewish laws, she said in a video addressed in August. So yeah, we'll see what's going on in Italy. Of course, it's a country rocked with many, many scandals, much corruption. So we will see what happens here. Um, I think that the mainstream news, most people uh, just paying attention to things actually have to learn what it means to be fascist and the real roots of that. Because um, if you're comparing somebody to far right and fascism, I think that it actually originated with the far left. Hence, uh, a, the, a group famously called the National Socialists, you know, socialism. Um, but of course, uh, I'm not going to get too deep into that. Let's move on to the next one. Here we have from Al Jazeera, Zelensky and Elon Musk in Twitter showdown over Ukraine peace deal. Musk's proposal to seek a negotiated solution to Russia's invasion and cede Crimea, Crimea for good angers Ukrainians. So here's the tweet that Elon Musk put out. It says, Ukraine, Russia, peace. Redo elections of annexed regions under UN supervision. Russia leaves if that is will of the people. Crimea, Crimea formally part of Russia, as it has been since 1783, until Khrushchev's mistake. Water supply to Crimea assured. Ukraine remains neutral. Interesting. It's, it is very interesting that Musk is just muddling himself in here, uh, whereas he has previously shown solidarity with Ukraine and provided through his company SpaceX equipment for its Starlink internet service so that the war-torn country could maintain online access to the world. Um, and then Zelensky replied to Musk by launching a Twitter poll accusing Musk of contradicting himself. As he says, representing a Ukraine government official, which Elon Musk do you like more? One who supports Ukraine or one who supports Russia? Uh, and then Andrea Melnik, Ukraine's ambassador to Germany, had a blunt response to Musk's initial poll, 
F off is my very diplomatic reply to you. I wonder if he'll face reparations or if that account will be suspended or if that tweet will be banned, because that to me is pushing violence. Uh, that is aggressive. That is hateful. So it's weird that that's a response to somebody that's trying to uh, encourage a peace deal. Okay, so now we are getting to the United States aspect of this, segueing into more of the uh, geopolitical world order affairs, but we're starting with Joe Biden of the United States. First up, Biden calls out dead congresswoman. Where's Jackie, the U.S. president asked at a White House event looking for the late Representative Walorski. Yikes, U.S. president on Wednesday called out for a congresswoman who had died in a car crash in early August, apparently forgetting his own statement of condolence to her family or the tribute video that reportedly aired before the event. Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie, he said, looking at the people attending the White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health. Oof, that's just, uh, that's just pretty sad. Uh, I don't know too much about her uh, and her affairs. She was a Republican from Indiana. But this is just not a good look for the quote-unquote leader of the free world. Next up, we have Biden could face impeachment, says U.S. Congresswoman. Representative Nancy Mace has said GOP lawmakers will face pressure to oust the president if they win control of Congress. Republicans will be pressured to impeach President Joe Biden if their party wins back control of Congress in November's midterm elections, U.S. Representative Nancy Mace has claimed. Now, that's a very interesting um, statement. You know, everybody was calling for the impeachment of Donald Trump. And here we have uh, the other side of the political spectrum. They are calling for the potential impeachment of the current leader of the Democrats. Next up, Biden to run again in 2024, says the White House. The White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, has confirmed the president plans to seek re-election. Is he, oh, look at this picture here. Is he looking for Jackie? Oof, sorry, maybe a distasteful joke, but U.S. President Joe Biden is running for a re-election in 2024. Okay, well, he has said it himself. He intends to run in 2024. He would be 86 at the end of a second term. Uh, right, so we will just see if this is true, um, uh, I will just go on to say, you know, like, is this, I'm liking more and more the idea that he, that this is a clone, that this isn't a real person, um, that there's probably many different clones, and that could explain why there are so many different gaffes and different attitudes and the ideas of even Trump having said that he's a new person. But, you know, we won't go too deep into that right now, but I'm sure if anybody has uh, some context about the idea of geopolitical leaders being clones and not actual real people, well, feel free to comment below because I would love to do some rabbit holes into that subject. I already have, but I would love to rekindle this. Uh, here we have Pentagon reveals a full list of military aid to Ukraine. Officials also promised 18 more HIMARS systems, calling them a core component of Ukraine's fighting force. So. Of course, these are from Russia today. I get it. It's a, it's a Russian propaganda outlet, but it's honestly more informative and helpful with the entire context of what's going on in the world. And I do appreciate that they are skeptical and ask questions about what's going on in the West. So the Pentagon has issued a list of American military aid approved for Ukraine so far this year, outlining nearly 17 billion in arms and gear, including tens of thousands of anti-tank systems, just shy of 1 million artillery rounds, and an array of heavy and long-range weapons platform. This is based on the fact sheet on U.S. security assistance released by the Defense Department on Wednesday. Holy moly, there's a lot that they have done, okay? A lot of money is being sent to fund war when we have somebody like Elon Musk who is trying to suggest a peace treaty, whether it's, you know, he's trolling or not. The idea of peace seems not to be on the table from the Western perspective. 
Yeah. Next up, we have the U.S. debt surpasses $31 trillion. The national debt has increased by $3.37 trillion since President Joe Biden took office. Gee, I wonder where how they're spending all of their money and where is it going? But just to be fair, it stood at $19.94 trillion when Trump took office in 2017. Uh, and I just want to bring a, some attention to uh, September 10th, 2001, when Donald Rumsfeld announced in front of Congress that the Pentagon could not account for three trillion. It was one to three trillion dollars. I know that that's a big, that's a broad range of of a number, but when you get into the trillions, does it really matter anymore? But so just keep that in mind that uh, September 10th, 2001. They announced that they could not account for one to three trillion dollars. And here we have their debt is now at thirty one trillion dollars. Yikes. Next up, we have from Al Jazeera. Biden warns of substantial deaths as Florida reels from storm. U.S. authorities say the full extent of the damage from Hurricane Ian's strong winds and flooding is not yet known. Well, the idea that the storm is natural is definitely up in the air, and especially where it's targeting Florida. Be, you know, obviously Florida is susceptible to these natural disasters, but I can't help but wonder about the uh, weaponization of the weather, weaponization of hurricanes. Um, and of course, they are using this event to create an emergency where they have emergency funding and are passing emergency legislation all in the name of natural disasters and climate change. Not to say that, you know, and of course we need to recognize that innocent people are suffering, that innocent people are losing power. Um, uh, and unfortunately, yeah, it is very unfortunate. Hopefully that the, the communities can rally together. Hopefully the infrastructure does hold up. And hopefully we get to the bottom of what is actually causing these hurricanes. And of course, uh, the next story, which is in conjunct with the uh, Pentagon uh, funding war in Ukraine, as well as the insane debt of the United States government, we have the U.S. Senate approves another $12 billion for Ukraine in a government funding bill. And the Joe, Bi <laughs> Joe Biden says the U.S. will never, never, never recognize Russian claims to Ukrainian terror uh, territories amid looming annexation. This is an interesting uh, picture here. If, we, if you can look at our screen here, just like look at those things in the sky that kind of look like clouds, but don't really look like clouds. They'll look like some sort of trails that there's a certain word you're not allowed to call them, but let's just call them contrails because that's the scientific analysis of what aerosol injections are. But just we have these two pillars in front of this temple. Now, just for those that don't know, this is not only a, a parliament building, but it's also a temple, just like the one that we have here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. It is a it's a a building meant to represent the Temple of Solomon, which is a deep and mythological uh, building according to the esoteric mystery schools. You have a tower on the left and a tower on the right. One is Boaz, one is uh, Jochim. They are deep, symbolic, the twin pillars that could be called the twin towers as well, but very esoteric, just this building on its own. But anyway, this is just to give us that uh, uh, some context that the Senate has passed 72 to 25. So there are still 25 people in the American Senate that don't approve of this additional $12.3 billion, but there are still 72 that do approve of it. And it's just like, yikes. Why are people still supporting war? It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Speaking of some uh, American influence in other countries, Taiwan adds new amphibious warship to defense inventory. The new addition to Taiwan's Navy is part of an initiative by President Tsai Ing-wen to foster defense self-sufficiency. Uh, of course, they're doing it to protect themselves against uh, China. And I'm just 
So here we have saying that the United States is Taiwan's most important international arms supplier. So, I mean, it's, you know, as pretty straightforward as it can get where the United States and the United Kingdom, Western countries are bolstering the defense of Taiwan to protect them from the alleged invasion of China, whereas China thinks that Taiwan is still a part of, of China. And if you say otherwise, you will be censored. And of course, we don't want to be, we're saying that censorship on all grounds is, you know, not really great. You should have everybody's opinion and then just discern. And if somebody's speaking stupid stuff, well, then nobody's going to listen to them. But yes, so in this context, uh, this is just a continuation of the buildup from Nancy Pelosi visiting the islands, uh, the Pacific, uh, as we covered already, with the climate change getting the highest uh, priority in the uh, U.S. Pacific agreements. Uh, the United States adding funding to Taiwan and bolstering their defense is just uh, a continuation of that. But of course, these agreements, these political agreements, will not recognize the military's contribution to quote-unquote climate change and carbon emissions. They just won't. But here we're continuing the international scene of geopolitical turmoil. Iran's supreme leader breaks silence on protests, blames the United States. As we covered in the previous one, uh, when the U.S. lifts sanctions on the Iranian internet, well, is it because now the U.S. wants to go in there and spread some disinformation and create rifts and, and try to destabilize the Iranian government through covert intelligence operations? That's my guess. Not to say that what Iran is doing with their morale police and forcing women to wear certain clothing and uh, really kind of enforce the segregation of society based on Western perspective, not saying that it's right, not saying it's wrong. It's very fascinating to look into how other cultures just want to live their lives and what right do the Western countries have with imposing their democracy and freedom and quote-unquote Western feminist values, etc. But of course, I'm going <laughs> to, as, as the leader of Tehran says, uh, he was heartbroken by the death of a 22-year-old in police custody, calling it a sad incident. However, he sharply condemned the protests as a foreign plot to destabilize Iran, echoing authorities' previous statements. He says, the rioting was planned, and he says these riots and insecurities were designed by America and the Zionist regime and their employees. Well, I'm not going to just flat out agree with what they're saying, but as I already mentioned and as we've looked into, uh, just going back to the very first Kraken report I ever did for our channel at Generation Z, we know that the United States has at least 127 covert military, military operations all around the world. We know that the United States and the Western countries go into other countries to destabilize through misinformation campaigns. Uh, they do that domestically with inciting riots. And um, yeah, so it's really not too much of a stretch of the imagination to, to, to think that there are people in, the, in other countries that are meant to create disturbances. Heck, the police that had unfortunately done the killing could have been agents of the United States or of other Western of their Western allies. And I want to reaffirm the idea that criticizing a Zionist regime has nothing to do with criticizing Judaism and the citizens of Israel and anybody practicing the Jewish faith, because Zionism is a political movement. As we saw in the last Kraken with the uh, list from the Jerusalem Post of the most influential Jewish people around the world, two to three of them on that list were straight up just promoting the Zionist agenda, which is uh, the current government of Israel and the whole concept of nationalizing a home for Jewish people in a safe space, which is what we now know as Israel, which is right in the middle of the Arab world, Muslim world. Not necessarily the safest space to put people, but you know, the whole Zionist thing. I've been working my way to creating a presentation to help us uh, understand that the context and situation, I, it's a very delicate, it's a very delicate situation. I try to speak diplomatically and uh, eloquently when referring to these things. But yeah, you'll see in a, another article very soon to add some more context there. And to continue on this train, though, the European Union and, the, and Israel hold first high-level talks in 10 years. The bloc seeks resumption of a political process that can lead to a two-state solution, the EU foreign policy chief says. Interesting. 
Okay, so the EU seems to be supporting a two-state solution to the conflict with the Palestinians. Now, of course, there's going to be so much he said, they said this about that entire situation. We're not getting into the nitty-gritty of what's going on in the West Bank, in Israel, and Gaza, and Palestine, all that. But yeah, uh, that's good. Peace talks are always good. Let's hope that they can come to actual solutions. Now, here is the article that I just mentioned to add some more context about uh, political Zionism. Again, from RT News. So sure, keep in mind, just with a grain of salt, etc. Liz Truss declares herself a huge Zionist. Video shows the new British Prime Minister pledging continued support for the Jewish state while meeting a pro-Israeli parliamentary group. She described herself as, quote, a huge Zionist and, quote, huge supporter of Israel during a meeting with pro-Israeli Tory parliamentary group on Sunday. Truss was a guest of honor at the Conservative Friends of Israel event during the annual Tory party conference in Birmingham. At, quote, as you know, I am a huge Zionist. I am a huge supporter of Israel. And I know that we can take the UK-Israel relationship from strength to strength. Her, uh, so okay, like, there is nothing anti-Semitic, there is nothing conspiratorial about talking about Zionism. It gets a lot trickier when you start to unweave the web of, of separating Zionism from Judaism to the state of Israel, to the history of, of, of the mystics, uh, the Khazarian Mafia, the mystics of uh, Kabbalah. It goes, it goes pretty deep. And, you know, when we did an episode where I explored the secret teachings of all ages, uh, introduction to the principles of uh, cosmology, according to the Kabbalists, well, that's where I go with looking into uh, Zionism and when people talk about Jews running the world, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's not really the way that people think it is. And it's really unfortunate how the conspiracy world has uh, kind of tarnished the actual you know, being able to actually uh, unpack this concept. But yeah, just there you go, straight up, she's a huge Zionist. Okay, here we have Pope Francis begging Putin to stop the spiral of violence and death. This is from Al Jazeera. Pope condemns Russia's annexation of four Ukrainian regions and calls on Zelensky to be open to any serious peace proposal. Well, that's good that the Catholic Church is, is asking for peace. What I want you to notice here is how the article is slanted. Pope Francis begs Putin to stop spiral of violence from Al Jazeera. Now here we have from Russia Today. Pope appeals to Putin and Zelensky. The pontiff has called on Kiev and Moscow to declare an immediate ceasefire and negotiate. So just ask yourself, which article, which news outlet seems to be more sensational and propagandist? Is it Pope Francis begs Putin to stop spiral of violence and death? Or is it Pope appeals to Putin and Zelensky? They're talking about the same speech, but just notice the drastic difference. One is Al Jazeera, one is Russia today. So even as we look at quote unquote Russian propaganda, which one actually is more rational and which one is, is more coherent and arguably less biased? But of course, we know that Russia is going to be downplaying their spiral of death and bloodshed and tears, etc. So I am aware of that. Next up, we have Kazakhstan issues update on Ukraine's kill envoys, uh, kill Russians envoy. So the diplomat is to leave Astania when a replacement arrives. Now this is a little uh, disturbing because the Ukrainian ambassador in Kazakhstan he stirred controversy with his remarks about mass killings of Russians. He's going to leave Astania once a replacement is sent for him. However, Russians are upset that he's still there, still representing diplomatic ties when he is pushing the quote-unquote Russophobe and uh, being accused of transgressing all boundaries of civilized behavior, as well as diplomatic ethics and the laws of his host country. So that's very interesting, keeping tabs on what Kazakhstan says and does about the Ukrainian-Russia situation, the context of Kazakhstan, where the citizens had a revolt, kicked out their leader that was responsible there for 30 years, helped build this new superpower uh, where they hold peace talks and they have this pyramid of peace. They have a UFO. It's kind of the new headquarters of the New World Order. Um, 
arguably like the secret new uh, United Nations, um, where they did a whole purge of corruption in that country. And so we're just kind of seeing how they are handling the situation with Russia and Ukraine. Here we have Henry Kissinger saying it's not wise to let Ukraine join NATO. Now, this is what Russia Today says about Kissinger and NATO. You'd think that the United States and the West would want to be keeping tabs on what Kissinger is saying, but I haven't seen this uh, report anywhere on Western news outlets. And we see that Russia regarded its sphere of influence in Eastern Europe as a safety belt, the former U.S. Secretary of State says. So he himself is admitting that Russia's quote-unquote war invasion of Ukraine is provoked. To say that is unprovoked is poppycock. It is clearly provoked. And what, uh, so when Henry Kissinger is saying it, who the 99-year-old veteran diplomat well, you know, people of America, these these um, pundits, these politicians, all these people spouting just pro-Ukraine stuff. If anybody, you know, just I would love to send this this article to anybody that I see waving a, a Ukrainian flag saying I stand with Ukraine. It's like, what do you actually stand with? What are you supporting? Yeah. Uh, we're going to continue. I'm going to wrap this up in 10 minutes. So there may be a few articles that I don't get to, but I'm going to really try to just finish this up because this is a long one, I understand. But uh, I think that this is fun and I think that our audience enjoys it. So yeah, continuing on here, the CIA weighs in on alleged Russian nuclear threat. U.S. intelligence agencies don't see practical evidence that Moscow is getting ready to use nukes, agency's director William Burns outlined. So obviously, take it with a grain of salt when anybody from intelligence gives any sort of warning, any sort of information. But it is fascinating that the CIA does not believe that Russian President Vladimir Putin is currently preparing to deploy nuclear weapons. Its chief, William Burns, said in an interview on Sunday by CBS News. I mean, this quote could be taken out of context. Uh, Russia could be using it just to justify what they're doing, say, hey, just, you know, look at look at what the CIA says. But who knows what's going on? I personally agree with this simply because I don't think that nukes are a threat, because I think that the higher, uh, the interdimensional beings that have been guarding us and protecting us for however long have are preventing nukes from being used ever since World War II, because nukes create rips in the fabric of quote-unquote space-time and affect reality in a much deeper level than just on our three-dimensional plane. Here we have next article. No sign of Beijing preparing to invade Taiwan, says ex-CIA officer. The former senior intelligence official argued that such actions would be impossible to miss. To prepare for a military operation against Taiwan, the Chinese government would have to take certain steps that simply cannot be secret from the West. And there is currently no sign of them, former CIA official John Culver argued on Monday. So the, the these people in, in the highest up of the hierarchy of the intelligence world are saying that Russia is not going to use nukes and that China is not going to invade Taiwan. So what the, what the heck is going on <laughs> with the US uh, and these foreign policies and all of this? It's just, so people, audience members, please, don't worry. Things are going to be okay. We're going to come to a, a state of cosmic peace very soon. Like, just really don't let the fear overtake you. That's really what uh, I want to hammer home with this entire concept of auditing the mainstream news. But so that was kind of the the stuff, the, the really big stuff. Um, so we're going to breeze through these next few, and then we're going to end with the CV-19, because that is where I'm really looking forward to the developments happening, which is going to focus on accountability from certain people that have been just lying. And of course, I have to be very careful with what I say because of the misinformation policies, but we're just going to, we're just reporting on the news. So uh, to come back to the current tangent here, though, the Somali government says it has killed Al-Shabaab co-founder. 
in recent weeks, the Somali, Somali security forces have touted gains made against Al-Qaeda-linked Al-Shabaab. So, yeah, you know, just so we're aware, I guess Al-Shabaab is still happening, and Al-Shabaab is a, uh, ooh, let's just read the, this here, actually. Since 2006, the group has killed tens of thousands of people in bombings in its fight to overthrow Somalia's Western-backed central government and implement its interpretation of Islamic law. So, yeah, Al-Shabaab was a terrorist group, and it was linked to ISIS slash ISIL, which was kind of the extremist version of Al-Qaeda. And, you know, very messy situations. Uh, of course, the African nations are just basically being used as proxy wars by the intelligence, the military of the West to uh, install their own powers, uh, how they see fit to insert their own version of democracy for uh, a plethora of reasons. It's multidimensional. But, hey, this is interesting that the leader, a co-founder of this group has been taken out. And yeah, I don't, I'm not really on, uh, don't really know too much more about that. But hey, if you know of anybody in Somalia, or if you are uh, seeing this video from Africa, that would be great to give us some context. Next up, King Charles to host South Africa's Ramaphosa in first state, first state visit of reign. President Ramaphosa's will be the first state visit for King Charles III since the latter's ascension to the throne in September. Now, this is fascinating that South Africa would be the first country, the first diplomat to visit King Charles. It's the, uh, happening between November 22nd and, number, and uh, 24th. And... Yeah, this is just uh, an interesting uh, story, but I wonder if it has anything to do with this passage here in this article. The visit comes as Ramaphosa faces a huge scandal back at home. Arthur Fraser, the former head of the country's spy agency, has accused the president of kidnapping, bribery, money laundering, and concealing a crime in relation to the alleged theft of $4 million in cash found at his Fala Fala game ranch in northern South Africa. The country's parliament has opened investigations into the matter, and Ramaphosa could face an impeachment vote in the coming weeks. So that might be why he's the first one to come visit. He may be seeking some asylum. He may be asking for advice. Um, yeah, we will see how that goes, but that is definitely an interesting development. Okay, so here we have NASA employee tried to sell U.S. hacking secrets. The cybersecurity staffer is accused of, attempt of attempting to pass off sensitive material to a foreign agent. A former employee at the U.S. National Security Agency has been charged for trying to hand classified information to an individual he believed to be working for a, gov a foreign government. There was an uh, so there was an undercover agent ultimately sent Dalkey an unspecified amount of cryptocurrency to retrieve the info, and Delk promised to provide more in exchange for another eighty-five thousand dollars. Okay, so you know that is interesting. Of course, information is shared between countries all the time. Espionage is a real thing, and of course, to continue on the espionage route, first openly trans U.S. Army officer arrested as a Russian spy. A Maryland couple was charged for offering medical secrets to an undercover FBI agent. Two Americans, including the U.S. Army's first openly transgender officer, were arrested after offering military personnel medical information to an undercover FBI agent posing as a Russian embassy employee, according to a federal indictment made public on Thursday. Well, that is very interesting and goes pretty deep into the whole, you know, transgender movement. Uh, to be honest, this is, you know, that would be a, a pretty good way for somebody from another country to get secrets uh, of the United, from, of, from the United States by sending somebody to pretend to be trans. And of course, the military is seeking specific uh, non-binary trans LGBTQ folks. So, you know, they're kind of opening themselves up to vulnerabilities here. But of course, who knows if this is actually legit because of all of the stories about Russian collusion and all that stuff. But this is from RT News. So, you know, maybe they're admitting that, yeah, 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 we did it. And maybe this is the subtle way of the of Russia 
taking responsibility for them actually uh, spying on the U.S. Wouldn't be surprised. To continue on this note, Russia expels Japanese consul over spying. The diplomat was caught by Russian counterintelligence while trying to procure restricted information. Wow. The Russian Federal Security Service detained the Japanese consul in Vladivostok on Monday. Matoki Tatsunori confessed to trying to purchase restricted information and has been ordered to leave the country. Interesting, interesting. And on to the next one. Japan responds to expulsion of spy diplomat. Tokyo denies that its consul engaged in espionage against Russia. Sure, right. Well, again, this is just he said, she said. We know that, uh, you know, the, the spying is is obviously real and legit. And there's uh, agents, there's double agents, there's triple agents, there's, there's intel agents, there's counter-intel agents. It's a whole slew. But that's the end of the geopolitical unleashing the Kraken, auditing the mainstream news narrative report. But to, but to just wrap this whole thing up, and thank you so much for being on this journey with me. I have a lot of fun. I hope that you're also enjoying this. We're going to probably one of the more sensitive topics of the past two to three years. First, and this is a four, four or five articles linked together to help paint a picture here. Drug company Apotex, formerly owned by Barry Sherman, agrees to take over. Billionaire founder was found dead in his home in 2018. This is from the Canadian press in CB, uh, CBC News. So Apotex Pharmaceutical Holdings has signed a deal to be acquired by U.S. private equity investment firm SK Capital Partners. SK Capital Partners. Financial terms were not immediately available. Apotex, a maker of generic drugs, was founded by Canadian billionaire Barry Sherman, who controlled the company until his highly publicized death in his home alongside his wife in 2017. So this was pretty... Pretty substantial news in the Canadian world when these two, when the billionaire and his wife were found dead in their home. And of course, this happened in 2017. One of my favorite things about this whole story is the potential for production of certain drugs that have since been ruled horse wormer, but being produced by this company. And perhaps this billionaire of this pharmaceutical industry wasn't playing ball with being told that he's got to, you know, uh, market his drugs a certain way or, you know, all that stuff. But so next up, here we have the latest report from Breaking Points of Crystal and Sauger from October 4th, 2022. So as of yesterday, the YouTube video says, Fauci caught funding lab leak research culprit again. So in this video, we see the tweet from Sauger saying, Unbelievable. Fauci, in his waning months as head of NIAID, just greenlit a 600,000 grant to Peter Daszak and the EcoHealth Alliance for bat CV research. The same organization that funded the Wuhan lab and research that plausibly led to the entire CV-19 pandemic. So he is grilling the fact that uh, that Fauci has been caught funding lab leak research yet again. Very fascinating here. I recommend uh, you check out this video from Breaking Points. The, the lab leak th uh, story is something that I have keep been keeping very close tabs on. Um, I can't wait to do uh, to release that audit of the mainstream news according to, uh, sorry, the, the audit of the mainstream news narrative about the lab leak story especially from the Canadian perspective, especially from the perspective of a Winnipegger where the Canadian uh, S4 lab is located. And here we have, of course, Fauci doubled his wealth during the CV-19 pandemic, says a report. The top U.S. health official profited handsomely amid the pandemic. Financial disclosures appear to show the U.S. Chief Medical Officer Anthony Fauci's net worth surged to $12.6 million, nearly twice the $7.6 million it had been in 2019, according to the watchdog, watchdog group Open the Books. Yeah, well, good time for him to skedaddle out of government because 
he is set to resign uh, at the end of this uh, calendar year, I believe. And to so just connecting those three stories. So, you know, read between the lines, but I think that we've painted some pretty good lines for us to read between. Dimension next, the final article of today. Yeah, final article of today. Dementia diagnosis increases suicide risk for those under age 65, study finds. Um, a diagnosis of dementia more than doubles the risk of suicide in the first three months after a patient is told the news. So what we're doing here is connecting that there is an increase of dementia diagnoses. And if we were to look at the percentage of folks that have taken experimental medical injections over the past three years, we're going to see that most of them are older people. And we're seeing that there is an increased risk of dementia, and we're seeing an increased risk of suicide from people that have dementia. So that's just, we really have to be, uh, just be mindful of what is really going to be happening. And I am emphasizing cosmic optimism with what's going to be happening, but we have to also be realistic with what can be happening in the very near future regarding the excess mortality that is being reported on. But I know that's a bit of a gloomy thing to end on, but that's just how I've structured the report today. Anyway, I think that I might just be over the hour marker, but you know, uh, feel free to watch this segment in group in uh, groupings. You don't need to do it all in one go. Or if you're listening to this at home on just a podcast, that's great too. But this was Riel reporting for the October 5th, 2022 edition of Unleashing the Kraken here at Generation Z. Hope you all, all have a great day and see you all very soon.